welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Hey, yeah. It's awesome to have you with us. If you're new to City Chapel, welcome in. Um, if you're watching from home, welcome in. If you're here in person, as many of you are, welcome in. We have the back door open today because it's, uh, it's not too bad outside. Fall is trying to, trying to sneak up on us here in Texas, uh, but we're glad that you're with us. And uh, if you snuck in today and uh, if you sat down, you would have sat down on some, on some information cards there. Would you just grab one of those right now? There's a couple. There's one that says a connection card. So that's for all of our new people. If you're brand new to City Chapel, or if you are a regular at City Chapel and you have a prayer request um, or a praise report, uh, that's a chance for you to connect with us. So you should have a pen there at your seat. You can fill that out. And we have red boxes on the wall um, by each door as you leave today. Uh, if you would drop it in the top of that box, that would be awesome. It's a secure uh, box. And that's also a place for us to be able to give our offerings. So those of us that uh, give regularly, I want to say thank you for that. And why don't we just take a moment right now to grab your phone and give. We used to pass buckets, but now we grab our phones and or the card that's sitting right there. You can scan that code um, or you can grab your phone and text any amount uh, to this number up here on the screen, 84321. That's the number for you to text any amount to that number. It'll set up a giving um, uh, protocol for you to be able to give. You select City Chapel at Slaughter Creek. And um, that's how many of us are giving. But if you are old school and you have cash or a check, uh, you can drop it off um, in one of those red boxes as you leave today. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Many uh, are letting us know when they're making decisions for Christ. And so on that connection card, there's a spot there to let us know what God's doing in your life. And so um, if at this point in the service or later on in the service, if God starts moving in your life, we want to hear about it. So even just let us know. Let us know your name. Let us know what God's doing in your life and drop the card off in the red boxes um, at the end of service. How's everybody doing today? Doing good? Ready to go? I uh, got a couple announcements for you before we jump into the Word. Uh, the first one is coming up this coming Friday. We're having a family camp. Uh, if you want to be a part of that, some of you have texted the, the uh, texted to this number, but uh, we're going to be camping as a church family. Going to get some tents, uh, or you can bring an RV if you have an RV. Uh, and uh, this is out in Driftwood at Camp Ben. So if you text the word "camp" to five one two nine six zero one six one seven, that'll give you a chance to give us a chance to remind you this coming week, uh, the day before, uh, to come on out. I think it's ten dollars for per tent site for a tent site and it's like $20 for an RV hookup um, it's something like that and so you, you pay when you get there and so we all, we're all and there's a river to swim in if it's if it's a bit hot um, which it might be uh, judging from Texas it might be a bit warm but um, anyway it's a good time for us just to we're, it's only gonna be one night all right so we're all gonna be back here on Sunday but uh, anyway it's gonna be a good time for our families to get together and for our church family to connect together as well uh, also next Sunday so not this Sunday but next Sunday we're having something called man day we're going to have a man day with City Chapel. Yeah, get some testosterone going. We're going to grill some meat. Uh, we're going to watch some football. We're going to shoot each other with some airsoft. 
Um, it's going to be it's going to be a good time, and uh, that's going to happen next Sunday afternoon uh, at six thirty. We're going to start at six thirty, and we're going to be out at um, uh, at David and and Crystal's place and Irma's place. So we'll be out there. Uh, that's in Kyle. And if you want more information on there, you want the actual address for where we're going to be. You can text uh, you can text man. Uh, let's just text the word man to five one two nine six zero one six one seven. I think that number should be up here somewhere. Is there music going on or something? No? Okay, someone's just singing? Oh, next door, they're, they're worshiping, the kids are worshiping? All right, go get it. All right, so, yeah, we're um, text the word man to 512-960-1617. That's our main um, text message. It's our group text message number here at City Chapel. And we'll connect with you. We'll remind you next week. I mean, I'll remind you again next Sunday. But um, if you're watching from home, come on out to Man Day. Um, but let us know. Let us know beforehand that you're coming so we have enough steak, right? We need to have enough steak. We need to have enough ammo. Uh, we, need to know, we need to know what we're, what we're dealing with here. Uh, also, something that's coming up at the end of this month, um, this year, it's, it's kind of cool, Halloween falls on Sunday. So um, this, this year, Halloween falls on Sunday. So we're going to do something special on that um, Sunday. We're, gonna, it's, we're calling it Candy Palooza. And so over in the kids' area, they're going to have all, all kinds of candy and ice cream sandwiches, and they're renting a um, uh, cotton candy machine. Like you know, stick the thing in there and get the, all the cotton candy. And so they're going to have fun. But, but also here in the adult room, we figure we could have a little bit of fun too. So if you want to wear your costume to church, normally we would not advise this. Um, but, if you, but we're going to make an exception for, you know, Halloween day. As long as your costume is decent, right? Like I don't want any, I don't want any Nacho Libre costumes up in here uh, during church, all right? So um, unless, un, unless it's like the one where, it's, unless this is costume when he's, it's his fluffy shirt where he's, he's, he's uh, singing at the party. So if you want to sing it, Ramses doesn't dance at the party. But anyway, no, if you want to wear your costume, whatever it may be, um, we, there may be a couple costumes up here during worship, so don't get distracted. Uh, we're, just, we're just trying to have a little bit of fun. And we're actually inviting the community out. We're sending out a thousand mailers to people around the area and uh, inviting them. And I'd encourage you to invite your friends, um, especially if you have uh, your friends, your kids, uh, uh, especially have them bring their friends because I think it's going to be a great um, way to connect with, with new people here at City Chapel. Um, and, and, and speaking of connecting with new people, I, 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 I forgot to tell you guys, um, we've been, as a church, we've been investing um, in, a, in a church plant that was, that, that was starting in Florida, in Sebring, Florida, and uh, as somebody that was actually there that day. Um, but they, um, the Awaken Church is the name of the church, Pastor Jeremy and Melvina. Um, we've put in um, a over $5,000 into their launch supporting them. And some of that is from special offerings from you all. Some of it is just from the, your regular tithes and offerings that we felt led to give to them. And so they launched, and I, I forgot to, to tell you all about it. They launched four weeks ago today. It was their first day. And uh, I was meeting with the launch team because I'm one of their overseers. So I was meeting with the launch team the week before. And, and I asked them, I said, what's, 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 what's your goal for, for how, how many people do you want to see saved this coming Sunday? And they're like, I oh, don't know, we hadn't thought about that. So we kind of put them on the spot. And so, so um, Pat, Pastor Jeremy said, well, maybe 10. Let's, let's pray for 10 souls on Sunday morning. I said, all right, let's, we agreed in prayer. And they, he called me the Monday after they launched, and there were exactly 10 people that gave their lives to Jesus on the first day 
And they baptized three of those people last week in their backyard swimming pool. They're meeting in a theater, kind of like we were when we got started. And uh, anyway, so it's super exciting. Um, so we're, we're praying for Jeremy, and please keep them in prayer. But God's doing some great things around the world. It may be a pandemic. It may be COVID-19, but God hasn't stopped what he's doing. And we're not going to stop either. So we, we, we're a little bit older than them. We have, we've been going more than four weeks, you know. But we got we to gotta stay on fire and passion for reaching people for God um, because because God hasn't stopped in this season and uh, so don't get don't don't get too comfortable touch somebody and tell them don't 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 fall in love with that seat because someone else is going to take that seat next Sunday you're going to have to get here even earlier to get that same seat all right so all the coveted back row like you don't 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 fall in love with the back row because it's it's uh, it's going on exactly you may have to come sit up front next to row I don't know it could be scary could be scary uh, turn to First John chapter 5 if you have a Bible with you. I want to jump into the Word this morning. And um, yeah, First John chapter 5. We've been walking verse by verse through First John. It's been over a year now that we've been in First John. And so uh, I've been enjoying it. I hope you all have. Uh, some great revelation here in First John. And we're, we're, we're coming to the end. First John chapter 5. We're looking at verse 14 and 15. Some two beautiful verses here that I want us to look at. John says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Is anybody praying for anything or asking God for anything or believing God for anything? You're watching from home. You, there's something on your mind, something on your heart. Awesome. Well, then this message is for you. Um, this, this is the confidence that we have in him that, that whatever we ask according to his will, we know that he hears us. So my title for today's message is the key to answered prayer. The key to answer prayer. Maybe another way to say that is how to pray with confidence or how to have confidence when you pray that God hears you and that you will receive what you're asking. So today I want to talk to you about the key to answered prayer. And the way I want to do that is I want to look at an Old Testament passage that I think sort of helps explain this a little bit, found in 1 Samuel um, chapter 13. So we've been in 1 John. Now you flip to the other side of your Bible, uh, if you have a Bible, to 1 Samuel chapter 13, starting at verse 1. Let's jump into this story together, and we're going to see the key uh, to answered prayer. It says, Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself <clears throat> 3,000 men of Israel. These are for soldiers, an army. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan, that's Saul's son, in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his own tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were the occupying um, power, the, the primary power in the Middle East that had dominated Israel, and Israel was under the thumb of the Philistines. The Philistines were way more powerful than they were, far more numerous than they were, and ha the Philistines had been ruling over them for quite some time. In fact, as you read uh, further on the passage, you find that the Philistines had taken away all of their weapons. So this is, this is interesting, right? Saul is gathering an army that, that none of them have any weapons. Um, they couldn't even sharpen their axes or their plows to do their farm work. They couldn't, they, the, the Philistines didn't allow them to have tools to sharpen anything. So you had to go to Philistia to the Philistines to pay the Philistines to sharpen your axe or your plow. So these, these, these people are literally pretty 
pretty, pretty helpless. They're pretty dominated. They're pretty well oppressed. And Saul gathers an army together in the first couple of verses. And then in verse 3, this is pretty fascinating. Jonathan attacks a garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. All right. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout the land saying, let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it and said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines. That's, that's true. And that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Verse 5 then says, Then the Philistines also gathered together to fight Israel. They had 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. All right, so I want to stop right there for just a minute because things are getting scary in this story. And I, and, and I know I'm talking to you about prayer, but oftentimes prayer doesn't kick in until things start to get scary. So this is the context. This is the context of which we pray. We don't pray in a vacuum. We don't pray because everything was going so good in my life that I decided to turn to God. Like that's, not, that's not usually how it works. And so what happens is, though, Saul is gathering an army of people who don't have weapons. That, uh, one third of that army, there's 3,000 of them, by the way, one tenth of the amount of chariots that the enemy has. Usually there was two to three uh, uh, militiamen per chariot, and then 6,000 horsemen. So he gathers a relatively small army with no weapons, and they attack an outpost of the Philistines, right? And the Philistines heard about it. In other words, this didn't really hurt them. They just were kind of annoyed by it. Basically, Saul is shaking. And personally, I'm, a, I'm proud of my boy Saul right here. I'll tell you what, he's, he's like, as a pastor, I just have to give him kudos and tip my hat to what he is doing. You don't understand. Saul did not run a campaign to be king of Israel. He didn't even want to be king. He's the first king of Israel, and when God picked him, God spoke to the prophet, and they had to find him because he was hiding <laughs> from the prophet because he was afraid. He's like, I knew God was going to pick me. He was afraid that God was going to pick him to be king. This guy, he, didn't, he had zero training. He never went to king college. Like, he has no degree in this. He has no, like, there's no history for this either. Israel has never had a king before. Talk about unprecedented. Israel has never had a king before. They've never had a king. And finally, God establishes the first king, and he picks a guy who's so scared of being king that a grown man is hiding from a prophet right? And then he becomes king. Why? Because you're becoming king, not of a sovereign nation, but of a defeated nation. You're becoming king of a nation that has to check in with the Philistines before you can even sharpen your plows or your axes. They're basically the king of the slaves is what he is. Like, and he doesn't want to be that. And yet in two years, I mean, 24 months, this guy goes from hiding in his basement. Not really, he didn't have a basement, but... He goes from hiding from a prophet to now gathering an army. Why would you gather an army? For war. And they attack an outpost of the Philistines. Why would you do that? To tick off the Philistines so that the Philistines gather their armies for war. I mean, he's going up to the largest hornet's nest in the Middle East and he's just shaking it right? And, and, and you, can tell, you can tell the attitude of the people around him. They say, Saul has made us an abomination to the Israelites, or to, to the Philistines, as if the Philistines liked them before. <laughs> no, but this is, this, is, this is part of the mindset of bondage. 
You can get so afraid of offending the person that's oppressing you because right now the person that's oppressing you isn't treating you as bad as they used to. You can get so afraid of offending the one who's oppressing you that you, instead of moving toward freedom, you sit in your comfort. And so that's why I have to tip my hat to Saul because this dude grew up in a generation where everybody was just afraid to offend the Philistines and this guy decided that even if he had no weapons, even if he had a tiny army, he's at least going to do something. And I, like, and it's, it's interesting, uh, one, one time I was talking with a lady at City Chapel, her and her husband had started coming to City Chapel, and she was out in the parking lot after a small group, and she was saying, Pastor Harry, and she was discouraged, she said, Pastor Harry, it seems like ever since we started coming to church, ever since we started doing things the right way and turning our lives around, like, the devil's been really mad at us, and he's been attacking us more and more. And I said, man, if he's treating you that way now, imagine what he had planned for the next 30 million years for you. You might want to keep moving. <laughs> You might, you might want to, you might want to keep, keep moving. And so I'm thankful. I, I, I just, I just have to say as a pastor, I'm proud. I look out in this room and I see many people that over the last few months have decided to, they don't have a lot of weapons. They don't have a lot of experience in this, but darn it, they're just going to try something. So can we just give it up for all the souls that just, just decided to try. I love it. I love this attitude, this fight, man. And Jonathan's right there with him. His son is right there with him. And that's just what they do. And you say, what does that have to do with prayer? Well, before you actually learn how to pray, you, you learn how to fight. Before you learn how to pray, you decide that you are not okay with the bondage that you grew up in. This is, this is, this is part of prayer. So the key to prayer is first off to decide, I can't stay here. And then what? And then Saul gathers the people to Gilgal. Now remember, Saul was in Michmash. So Saul and Jonathan and all the army and their families all gather at Gilgal. Gilgal is the ancient place that you would go to meet with God. Gilgal is the place where, uh, according to the passage further on down the line, there was some communication between Saul and the prophet of God, Samuel. And Samuel said, I'll meet you at Gilgal within seven days. And so Saul gathers the people to Gilgal. And once again, I'm so proud of Saul. Here's a guy, no training, no mentors, nothing. He, he raises up an army, gets together 3,000 people that are just crazy enough to fight 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and an entire like sand of the seashore kind of, kind of military. I mean, we're talking like, like Lord of the Rings, orcs guarding Mount Doom kind of situation. You know what I'm saying? All the nerds know exactly what I'm saying. Come on, so, like it's not it's not hopeful. Let's just put it that way. It's not it's not a good outcome, and, and 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 he does it, but then before he goes to battle, he goes to prayer. That, by the way, is my first point. This is the first step to the first key to prayer that is answered by God. Is we pray first. We pray before the battle, before the fight before we enter into temptation, right? Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lead us not into temptation. In other words, before you get into temptation, you're already in prayer. We pray first. This is, this is, this is the first key to prayer. If you want prayer that is answered, you must prioritize prayer. You must pray first. Before, before you have that, that difficult talk with your teenager, <laughs> pray first. Uh, before you have a difficult talk with your spouse, pray first. Before you go to that job interview, pray first. Before you date that guy, 
Come on, somebody, come on. Before you date that girl, you might want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's like this is this is this is the step. I love what Chris Chris Hodges says. Chris Hodges says, uh, "We prayer should be our first response, not our last resort." People who say, "Oh, all we can do now is pray." What? You mean you weren't doing that from the beginning? Before I reach for Tylenol, I pray first. Before I reach for the Pepto Bismol, I quickly pray first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, be, I mean, I mean, before I decide to worry, before I decide to get offended, <laughs> pray first. Prayer should be our first rule. In, in, in fact, can you just say that? Can you just claim that over yourself right now? That pr- you say, well, I don't, I don't even know if that's true. That hasn't been true in my life. Okay, fine. From today forward. Prayer, where's the, where's the, where's the, where's, 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 where's the Hodges quote? We got Hodges somewhere. All right. From this day forward, prayer will be my first response, not my last resort. Say that all together. From this day forward, prayer will be my first response, not my last resort. Yeah. Amen. So this is the key to answer prayers. You pray first before the battle. Why? Because prayer aligns your perspective with heaven's perspective so that the battle that you're entering into, you now see it from heaven's perspective. Most of us don't need some miraculous breakthrough. We just need to see things from the way that God sees things. Then we will say things the way God says things. Then we will do things the way God does things. It starts with vision and prayer aligns our vision. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know if he hears us, that we have what we ask of him. Why? Because we've gone to him first. And before we tried out our own plans, before we worked on our own scheme, before you call the therapist, you pray first. I'm not saying you don't do any of those things. I'm not saying you don't have confrontational discussions and that you don't have therapy and that you don't have medicine. I'm saying before any of that, prayer is our first response. And I love how Saul does that. Saul gets his people together and he says, guys, we got to pray. We have to connect with God first. And so my first key is pray first. My second key is pray first, but don't pray too fast. It sounds kind of contradictory, but what happens, let's just keep reading the story, if, if, if you will. I think we were on verse uh, six. So verse five tells us how big the army is that they're facing. Now in verse six, we go back to uh, Gilgal, where Saul is and where he is waiting for Samuel. And in verse six, it says, then uh, the men of Israel saw that they were in danger. In danger for the people were distressed. It's so interesting that this, this situation began by, by great leadership. So you had the head of the household of the country, the head of the country, which is the king, Saul. He makes a decision that affects and, 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 and it positively impacts the family of the country, which is the rest of the, the army. He gathers together uh, 3,000 men who are ready to charge hell with a water pistol. So there's great power in leadership, but leadership alone can't cut it because this great start began from the top and worked its way down. But now the deterioration is going from the bottom to the top. The men, that's the army, that's the soldiers. 
realized they were in danger, not when they saw the enemy. They couldn't see the enemy. The enemy was gathering in Mi'kmaq. They were in Gilgal. They, 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 they didn't have Google Earth to see what was happening, right? So they didn't know that kind of trouble they were in. They were in trouble, parentheses, according to Scripture, because they saw... That's not it, is it? Is this verse 6? Yes, yes, right here. Okay, yeah, go back. It's right here. For the people were distressed. And this is, this is where there can be a real breakdown. In other words, I, you should pray first, but don't pray out of distress. Distress, the word there means oppressed or used to being oppressed or driven. Driven by what? Driven by something. Desperation prayers only work when there is confidence in God, not simply fear of an outcome. And so what happens is the men, the soldiers, realize they're in danger when their families were so afraid of the outcome. And notice how the deterioration starts happening. So Saul, through leadership, has led them to a good place, but underneath leadership, there were people that were not quite convinced. There were wives and children that were hitting the panic button, and the soldiers then realized they were in danger. And if you keep reading, actually, um, 2,400 of them deserve. 600 soldiers. That's a loss of 80% in a week. It's not good church growth, by the way. That's pretty, pretty discouraging when your army is already really tiny and you lose 80% of them. Why did they run? Because their families began to become distressed. And this is so true of every, of every, every, every man that realizes that he's in danger is walking with a family that is hitting the and not trusting in God, because look what happens. Then those soldiers hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, and holes, and pits. <laughs> and some of the Hebrews even crossed over the Jordan, the land of Gad and Gilead. In other words, they, they're out. U-U-T. Why? Because, because, because the family wasn't together. The family wasn't on the same page. And so this is why unity is so important in prayer. That, that there is, there's got to be a connection, a unity between the people and, and within a family. And I'm not saying that everybody has to think the exact same way. But I'm telling you, man, if you, if you have a hiding husband, you might have a distressing wife. And so, ladies, if you want your husband to come out of the hole, <laughs> put your faith, pray first. That puts a lot of pressure on me. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that, ladies. God forbids. I would never. But no, it's both and. Husbands support wives and wives support husbands. And so it's never just one individual that's supposed to be doing it all. This is a mutual thing. And, and what happens is, and sometimes this goes the other way. Sometimes the husbands turn away and the husbands start hiding. And that's why the women are distressing. But I'm telling you, man, if, if, if these families could have stayed together, I think there would have been a different outcome. But the families began to break down. And so then the nation began to break down because the family was broken down. And from the family breaking down and the nation breaking down, now Saul, the head of the house of Israel, begins to break down. Look what happens. Saul, he, as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal with all the people that followed him and they were trembling. And then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. You know why he didn't come to Gilgal? 
this, this is the book of First Samuel. This is just my hypothesis. This is the book of First Samuel, which means Samuel wrote this book, right? Samuel just told us they had 30,000 chariots. How did he know they had 30,000? He had to count them. You try counting to 30,000 in chariots. See, if that takes you a week. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, he moved seven, eight, okay, eight, nine, ten. Okay, I think I already got him. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen. He was, at, he was, the week, he was at 28,000. 28, he's like, no, I got to get an accurate count, right? And so he's, he's not there after the seven days. And the people were scattered from Saul. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. In other words, he did what God told him not to do. God told him to wait for Samuel to offer the burnt offering. And Saul jumped the gun. All right, and he offers the burnt offering. This would have been an all-day event, by the way. Uh, we're talking killing a, a ram or a, you know a, 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 a cow, sort of a bull, and then getting that bull on top of a stone altar made of probably made of twelve stones. He would have been very bloody, even more than I was last week with my sermon illustration. Like this is an all-day worship event, an all-day act of sacrifice and prayer. And now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And look what Saul said. Samuel just asked him, why are you worshiping? Right, when I told you to wait. Now, why would God tell you to wait to pray? What, if, if, pray if we should pray first before the battle, then why is it important sometimes to wait to pray? Not necessarily seven days, I'm saying, but sometimes seven minutes, because look at Saul's answer. When he's asked, why are you praying? Why are you worshiping? Look what Saul says. He says, when I saw the people. <laughs> Interesting. See, God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outside. From the outside, Saul was, was going through all of this work, all of this exercise to kill this goat, and or, uh, this ram, and prepare this offering, and put it up, and burn it, and offer the blood, and pray, and ask God, and all this. He's doing all of this. It seems like he's doing it for God, but when asked why he's doing it, the first thing out of his mouth is, I saw the people. Interesting. You can be standing before God, looking like you're worshiping God, but actually worshiping the people that you want to think well of you. So this is why you have to wait to pray. Wait until you are, this is the confidence we have in him, is what John says. This is the confidence we have in him, not in how people think of us, not in whether or not people believe in us or whether they're with us or whether they're supporting us or whether my family is supporting me. See, Saul could still obey God even without the support of everybody who had been with him, but he could not obey God without the support if he continued keeping his focus on the people that he wanted their support. And this is a key to unanswered prayer. You want, you want God to not hear your prayers? Just come before him primarily concerned about what other people think about you. You want, you want some ineffective worship? Just stand there and raise your hands or don't raise your hands based on what other people will think about you in the moment. That's, that's the kind of stuff God doesn't even write. Look, the Holy Spirit didn't even write down his prayer. He spent all day praying, and Samuel's like, so um, I should probably write what he said. And, and then God's like, no, forget it. Like, it, don't even waste the ink, because it was a complete waste. Man looks on the outside, but I look on the heart. I saw that in his heart, he was more concerned about what people were thinking about him. And that's why he was worshiping. This is the confidence we have in him. No, Saul would say, this is the confidence I have in the support I get from my people. Therefore, I need to do whatever I need to do to keep their support. 
And his act of worship is really an act of manipulation, trying to maintain the support of people who are going to leave him anyway. <laughs> My gosh, how many times are we so obsessed about folks that are already halfway out the door of our lives? Like they're on the road, they're moving. And we're like, no, 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 I really, I really need to keep this, I really need to keep this situation. I really need to keep their favor. But no, Saul says, look, when asked why he's worshiping, he talks about the people. When I saw that the people were scattered from me, that you did not come within the days appointed. And look at the next thing, that the Philistines had gathered. So when asked about why he's worshiping, he talks about the way people see him. And he also talks about his problem. It is possible to come stand in a place of worship, sing songs of worship, and yet in your mind have your problem on your mind the whole time. And you end up worshiping your problem more than you end up worshiping God. Look, nowhere does Saul say, the reason I'm praying is because I have full confidence in God. <laughs> he doesn't have confidence in God. He is praying because he is scared of his enemy. He is scared of the outcome. Look, look. Here's, here's a good test. If God got rid of all of your problems tomorrow, would you ever talk to him again? <laughs> if the answer is no, that's why he's not getting rid of your problems. <laughs> because he wants you to talk to him. And if you only come to him when, you, when the Philistines are gathering, if the only time that you're ready to connect with God is when... Is when stuff is hitting the fan of your life and it's flying all over the place, if that's the only time that you come before God, then, then God says, no, you, you're not actually confident in me. You're just scared of an outcome. You're scared of what, of what could happen, what might happen, what you think is going to happen. When, when asked why he's worshiping, Saul says, well, my enemy was coming closer. And I knew that he was just around the horizon. I knew he was just around the corner. But you know who was actually around the corner? Samuel was around the corner. Help was on the way. God was on the way. It wasn't his enemy that was on the other side of that hill. It was Samuel that was coming. But that's what fear will do. Fear will get you so consumed about the possibility of your enemy and the power of your enemy. And so he says, the Philistines were going to come down and meet me at Gilgal. I thought they were going to come here. And look, he says, I have not made supplication to the Lord. The final thing that Saul, the third thing that Saul's confidence was in was in his reputation or how people thought of him. Second, his confidence was, was, was out of fear of what could happen. But third, his confidence was in his prayer. You want the key to answered prayers to have confidence in God alone. Uh, one, one time at our, at our old church, uh, Roe was talking to a lady who was coming into church late on Sunday morning. She just kind of was just saying, hey, how are you doing? And she said, well, this week's been kind of rough. I got in a car accident. And so Roe was, oh, are you okay? What's going on? And she said, no, 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 it was, it's okay. It was, it was my fault anyway. Which, when you move to Texas, you realize that 90% of the time, that is absolutely true. You know, it's like, let me guess, you slammed on the brakes as you were getting onto the freeway, you know? You pulled out in traffic without looking. Yeah, that's probably what it is. But anyway, no, just kidding. Um, yeah, but she says, it's my fault anyway. And Rose said, oh, well, um, okay, well, what happened? And she said, well, I, I, I was in a rush that morning and I didn't pray. Now, that sounds kind of spiritual, but it's actually not because your confidence is in a religious ritual. If your confidence is in prayer, John says, this is the confidence we have in him. 
Prayers that are answered start with a confidence in God, which is why I say pray first, but don't pray too fast. Take at least seven seconds to decide whether or not you are actually confident in God or whether you think that this prayer is what will save you or whether you think that this ritual is what will do it. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't go into the job interview yet because I haven't prayed about it. Oh my goodness, I need to pray because who knows what will happen if I don't. No, no, no. Confidence in God is the key. Therefore, if any words come out of your mouth or not, you have confidence in God. So many times I can, I can tell you just in my life, God has spoken to me and said, Harry, do you want this to happen or do you want that to happen? It's not about confidence in a particular outcome. It's about confidence in God. And when you're confident in God, then anything you ask, anything you ask. Saul says, look, these people, and look, at, and, and look at what Samuel says. And this is my final point that we need to have confidence in God alone, but then we need to align ourselves uh, with his heart, the heart of God. Look what Samuel says. Samuel says in verse 14, I'm just skipping down. Basically, he condemns him. He says, look, you shouldn't have done that. And he says, God would have established your kingdom forever, but now he says, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. For if we ask anything according to his will, his will is his desires, that's his heart. If we ask anything that is according to God's heart, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, we have what we have asked of him. Typically, when I would read this passage, I would think uh, that essentially what, what he was saying was if we ask anything according to his will, meaning that if we find out what his will is, and then we ask that, that that'll be effective. And, and that is a key to effective prayer, absolutely. Discovering, discerning the will of God. Scripture tells us that, that God wants us to know his will so that we can pray effectively. And that is indeed a part of effective prayer. But it's almost like sometimes I would think about that in terms of let's say Roe is God's will. Which for me, right on. Right on. Uh, for you all, not so much. Uh, but for the, anyway, let's, let's, let's just say God's will. So my job, if I'm praying, there's all these other possibilities. You know, there's, I don't know, 80 other possibilities in here. And so, and so I'm just going to, I'm just going to say, Lord, what, like, what is your will? And I'll just start like wandering around. I'm sorry, cameraman, but this is sort of in my mind. This is kind of how you know, you're praying and you're like, you're like, you know, duck, duck, <laughs> duck, duck. And you're just seeking God's will. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, goose, you know. And so you, you know, oh, okay. I found, that's why people say I found God's will for my life. I found it. Cool. I discovered it. And, and there is definitely truth to that, that I believe God wants you to have discernment in your life so that when you, before you even go to the job interview, you say, God, what is your will? Do you want me to have this job? Right? And then you pray according to what you feel like God's telling you. Uh, same thing with dating, same thing with marriage, all of that. So that, that's definitely part of it. He says, whatever we ask, that is according to his will, that's linked up with his will. But as I was reading it this week, the, the Greek word there for according to is kata. It means to come alongside of. It means something that runs or moves alongside. Because this is one thing that I have learned, is that God's will is not sitting on the front row of your life. If that makes sense. Like, it's not stagnant. So, hey, babe, I, I didn't talk to you about this at all. So, you, I, I don't know. So I never do. So, the, God's will is, is, is moving. So, I don't know, like, if you could just walk back and forth, maybe. Yeah, so, God's will is moving. So, that's why at times it's like you sort of, like, find... See, see, not in a straight line either. God's will is pretty straight. I, you know, he's not squirrely. He's not like, you know, confused or anything. I mean, 
Yeah, squirrely will. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't tell you how to walk, so that's kind of on me. But, yeah, just like, if you just, like, move around. Because at times, you know, you, you find God's will, right? And then you're like, oh, this is great. And then God's will keeps going. And then you're like, man, I, I just, I, I thought I had it. I thought I had it. And, and yet it's, but God's will's moving, right? Because God's heart is moving. Because his desires in every day is moving. Now, there's some things that are always constant, right? He wants everyone to be saved. So you can always pray that. And that's a good prayer to pray. But in most of our lives, we, we already understand that. We're wondering about what this thing that I'm praying about. What, how, do I, how do I connect with God through that? Well, the, this is the best way to do it. Is to, when you find God's heart, then you, keep, you walk alongside God's heart. So this connects with the rest of what John was saying in John, uh, 1 John chapter 1. He said, look, if we walk in the light, that's how, that is how we live. If we live in the light, we have fellowship with one another, like our brothers and sisters and Jesus, the will of God. We have fellowship with God and then the blood of Jesus does all kinds of wonderful things inside of us, right? So what happens is we have to learn how to walk and to keep in step with the will of God. So the last key to answered prayer, see, because here's the deal, Saul... Saul did pray God's will. God wanted to deliver the Israelites from their enemies. And he's going to do it through Jonathan in the next chapter. And it's kind of cool. But so it's not like Saul prayed the wrong thing. He just didn't pray according to God's will. Do you see? He prayed exactly what God wanted to have happen. But he wasn't walking the way that God wanted him to walk. And so he, he wasn't confident in God. So he wasn't... Uh, focused on the will of God. So he wasn't submitted to the word of God. So he was going off on his own thing. And he said, and he said, as I'm doing my own thing, then I see what God wants to do. And so I'm going to ask him to do what he wants to do in my life. But then God said, that doesn't work. This is not the kind of prayer that God wants for your life. God wants you to be walking yeah, and, 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 and technically it doesn't work like this. Like when you start moving, that's not when God's will starts moving. So it, God does have a mind of his own, actually. It's not squirrely, but it is pretty, it's pretty decisive, right? Because some, some of us, like we're like, okay, that's where the will of God's going. Okay, cool, I got this. And like we jump ahead of the will of God. And then we're like, okay, God, now I need you to, well, how come you're not helping us over here? What's going on? And the will of God stopped because she didn't know the sermon illustration. And, you know, and you just went on with your life. Or some of us, I, more like, I mean, I'm usually not very fast. You're actually walking very slow for the Rowena will of God. <laughs> Typically, the Rowena will of God is, is she's on the move. But anyway, so because normally what happens both in our marriage and in real life is Ro is cruising. And I'm like, um dee dum dee dum dee dum You know, like we slow down is because we get distracted by things. We get tired by things. We don't have as much energy. And the will of God has moved on and moved past where, where, where he used to be and what he used to want. We're stuck remembering the good old days and the, the good old feeling of the old church and the old building, the old people and the smell, the smell. I don't know if you know, but certain churches have certain smells, you know? And it's like, I just don't feel the, the anointing if I don't smell old carpet, you know? And it's like, no, actually, actually, God's will is moving. He's not dependent on that. He's moving forward. He's doing a new thing. He's doing new ways. He's having new ways of communicating old truths. The scripture is not being twisted or aborted, but there's new ways. And, and, and it's like you can wear costumes in church, right? And, and not offend the Holy Spirit. Because God, the, what offends the Holy Spirit is when we don't care about our community. When we just gather and we don't even try to invite people that he shed his blood for. You want to know the will of God? The will of God's not circling around the stage of the 
the church even though you're doing a good job. The will of God is, the will of God is moving out into our communities and into bars and into 6th Street and into the areas of the world that Christians don't always like to go. The will of God is inviting. The will of God is calling. The will of God is drawing people. And so thank you for the illustration. So, so this is what you need to do. You need to line up. You need to line up with the will of God in your life. Align yourself with his heart. And then your prayers will be so much more effective. After all, scripture says it is the uh, effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. So uh, uh, Leonard Ravenhill put it this way. He said, we don't, we don't pray so that we will live better. Rather, we live better so that we are equipped to pray. Because our prayers are affected by our lives. And as we walk, like I said, I've, I've, I've had times when I'm walking with God and God will just ask me, do you want this to happen? Just random things, right? <laughs> do you want these people at your church? <laughs> do you want this business to come to your property? Do you want this person to repay the $3,000 that he stole from you? And, I, and it's just an option. It's just, it's truly an option. It's truly up to me. He's just asking me, he, do, you, do you want that? In fact, the girl I dated before Rowena, he said, do you want to marry her? And that's when I decided that, uh, <laughs> yeah, I pumped the brakes. No, I mean, it was a conversation. I was 24 years old in the car, just dropped the other girl off from a date that we, and it was just great. She's a good Christian girl. She's in ministry right now. She's, she's leading a church actually. Like it's all like, we, it was great. We connected well and I'm driving back to my, uh, to, to my, uh, it was a dorm, but it was actually a shared apartment with some guys and God speaks to me. He says, Do you want to marry this girl? And I said, yeah, whatever your will is, that's what I want. And then he said, do you want that to be your response when I ask you, do you want to marry this girl? <laughs> I said, oh no. I mean, going to the cross, sure. Not my will, but thine be done. But marriage, not my will, but thine be done. I mean, what am I, what, what, what's going on here? Am I about to go to the whipping post or something? Like what's going on? Shouldn't I be a little more excited about this? So that was a, that was a red flag for me. But this is the thing, when you're walking with God, God will sometimes ask you. Because his will is whatever sometimes. His will is, I can work with either one. But what do you want? What would you like? I'll, I'll do it. I'll make it happen. And that's where I realized, I, I don't think I want to spend the rest of my life with her. So I should probably call this off right now. And so I did. And then God opened up another door. And then God never had to ask me about Roe. I was asking him. I'm like, hey, it'd be really cool if I could marry this girl. It was right, cool, sweet. All right, good. Just check it. <laughs> It was a 30-second prayer. Actually, I'd already bought the ring. I was like, I haven't even prayed about this. I'm supposed to pray first. I'm supposed to pray first. Man, messed up. <laughs> but the thing is, when you're walking with the will of God, when you're aligned with the heart of God, it, it's, 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 it's all prayer. The whole seven days was prayer. The waiting period was prayer. It's all prayer. It's all worship. That's why you pray without ceasing, because it's all worship when you're walking with him. Hmm. So let's just, let's go to him right now in prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And I don't know where you're at here in this room or watching from home. There's maybe something on your heart, something on your mind that you, 
that, that you brought to church with you. I wonder if you can take, I, I, I wonder if you can step back from that thing for just a minute and ask yourself, am I confident in God? Right? Do I have faith in God? If, if Samuel were to stop me right now and say, hey, why are you at church? Why are you worshiping? Why are you praying? Would my answer be, well, you know, my wife, she's about to leave me. I need something. Or, or would, my, would my answer be, man, my finances are so bad. Things are so difficult. Would I start talking about people or my problems? Or would I have something to say about the confidence that I have in God? We pray first because we are confident that he hears us. This is the confidence we have in him. So this is the question. If your confidence is not, a, is not in God, step back from your petition for just a minute and choose to set that in your mind. Decide that one. Figure that one out. Is God faithful regardless of the outcome? Is God good regardless of the outcome? This is the confidence we have in him. This passage in 1 John is coming on the heels of a description of who Jesus is. A very lengthy, very deep theological description, but a description nonetheless of who Jesus is. And when we know who Jesus is, this is the confidence now that we have in him. We stand with confidence in who he is, regardless of the outcome. I'm bringing my request to him, but regardless of the outcome, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the God understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I like that the peace that passes understanding, it actually means that surpasses or that is greater than. The peace that overcomes and is greater than understanding. In other words, I have a particular understanding of a situation, but the peace of God can come in and redirect my understanding and help me understand something different. So Jesus, we come before you right now. We do have a lot of requests. We have a lot of concerns, physical needs, the uh, healing that needs to happen, diagnosis that has come through, uh, relationship issues, financial issues. We're living in the middle of so much uncertainty. There's so much uh, division and emotional strife going on and anxiety right now and depression right now. We bring all of these things to you, but before we do, we stop for just a second and we count you able. We judge you as faithful. We're not praying because we're afraid of an outcome. And we're not praying because we believe that prayer is a special tool that will just uh, manipulate you to get us what we want. Rather, we're coming before you because we are confident in you. So ultimately, it is. It is intimacy with God he wants. He wants you to come near to his heart. And for some of us, that would be something we haven't done in a long time. So I invite you, come near to his heart. Invite him into your heart. Surrender to him. Jesus, I give myself over to you. Come do in me whatever you want in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us today. I uh, hope you have a, a great day.